Locked On NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in Houston to speak with Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets about James Harden's return and the uh, many absences due to COVID-19 protocols. We'll go to Los Angeles to speak with Charles Mockler of Locked On Clippers to recap whatever happened in that Sunday game as the Mavericks took the Clippers to the woodshed. And then lastly, we go to Denver to speak with Adam Mares of Locked On Nuggets about the Nuggets 0-2 start to begin this season. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of Locked On NBA. I am your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and I'm the lead analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. The NBA season is back. We are ready to go. So we've got lots of stuff to talk about. So let's get to it. Now I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Rockets podcast. Jackson Gatlin is here with me. We finally got the Rockets. We got the chance to see them play uh, on Saturday. Jackson and uh, James Harden look like James Harden. But let's let's just give an update on what is actually going on with this team. Um, who is in? Who is out? What is happening with this uh, COVID-19 protocol issue with the Rockets? Okay, so the the TLDR, the quick summary is that Ben McLemore and KJ Martin Jr. had both been already self-isolating due to testing positive to COVID-19. And then a group of four Houston Rockets, uh, John Wall, Eric Gordon, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, and uh, Mason Jones Jr. were all uh, kind of, they, they basically had to be sidelined due to COVID contact tracing because somebody that they were all exposed to after a trip to a local barber in Houston, um, you know, test, I, I don't know if the barber had tested positive or somebody along the way, but basically due to COVID contact tracing protocols, they have to be sidelined until hopefully they'll be back for the new year's Eve game at home in Houston against the Sacramento Kings, which is also the game where they're unveiling the new jerseys. Um, so they didn't have those four guys. They didn't have the two other guys who had already tested positive for COVID-19, which were separate incidences um, or incidents, I should say. And then uh, they also didn't have Chris Clemens who uh, tore his Achilles in training camp. So they had half their roster out and they still gave the trailblazers a pretty good run for their money. Yeah, they did because James Harden was ridiculous. 44 points, 17 assists. Christian Wood had 31 and 13 in 44 minutes. It's like Mike D'Antoni never left with these uh, these minutes totals. But of course, yeah, half the roster is out. But let's talk about Harden here because we'll get to the, the trade rumors and yeah, expansion of trade destination lists in a second. But there was concern, I guess, with Harden that people were throwing out there. I guess a lot of it was uh, unfounded. Yeah, he's so out of shape. He's not going to try. He's going to half-ass everything. Um, that really wasn't the case. No, not not whatsoever. Look, um, you know, Harden has dropped now uh, eight forty plus games on the Blazers. You know, has that uh, that sole record uh, in his uh, in his pocket, and uh, you know he matched his career high in assists at, at seventeen in that game. Look, Harden is a guy who you know, he gets a bad rep and, and he should for some of the, some of the crap that's been going on this off season, uh, you know, the complete disregard for COVID protocols, you know, out partying without a mask on, like all of that, he should absolutely get flamed for that. But when it comes to the game of actual basketball, you know, people try to comment, Oh, he looks overweight or out of shape. doesn't matter what he looks like. Cause he's going to go out there and hang 40 points on your head on a nightly basis, because he is arguably the best offensive player in the league right now. I think you can maybe, 
make an argument for Kevin Durant, depending on where he's at, uh, you know, coming back from his uh, injury. But right now, James Harden is the best offensive player in the NBA, one of the best offensive players in history. And he doesn't, you know, whatever perceptions people have about him, about his physique, whatever, doesn't matter because he's going to go out there and be the best player on the court on a nightly basis. Now, there was concerns about whether or not he was going to be, you know, quote unquote, bought into this Rockets roster. And that still remains to be seen. But some of the postgame commentary from him, uh, it bodes really well. The fact that he's talking about how Christian Wood made his life a lot easier in this game, how um, they just need to get some things clicking and they can really make some noise. And these are different kind of quotes that we're getting out of Harden versus, you know, the last few weeks where it's been very non-committal. He's been kind of dodging questions, that kind of thing. Whereas we finally got some quotes from him that seem like he might be actually opening his eyes to the possibility of this being a really good situation. Cause let's face it. Why would he want to leave the Houston Rockets to go pair up with a worse big man in uh, Joel Embiid when he's got Christian Wood uh, two lockers down from him? Oh, yes. Uh, love love the Rockets' uh, homerism there. Now, I had this theory about Harden, and it's been one game, so I'm not going to say that it's been proven correct. But, yeah, a lot of people are saying he's going to come out there, he's not going to try, he's not going to do anything, he's going to be you know, throwing the ball all around the place, he's just not going to be putting any effort. And I, I counted it with him. Maybe that's the case. But with the, the amount of, whether it's real or it's perceived disrespect that's out there for Harden, he is definitely hearing it. Man, why would you want to trade for James Harden? Don't want that guy on our team. He's not worth anything at this point. He's just going to screw everything up. He's useless. Yeah, we don't want him. And, and teams coming out and saying that and people coming out and saying that in the media. And he's going to be like, dude, like I am a top two MVP player for five straight years or whatever it is. Um, and people acting like they don't want me on their team. Like I'm going to show them what I can do and I'm going to put up an absolute monster of a year. Um, returns from that are pretty good in game one. I don't know if that's going to be the case moving forward, but is that is that a mindset that you think Harden could have that he's hearing all this stuff and saying, well, you know, screw you guys, I am gonna I'm gonna average forty a night here. You know, it, it's it's tough to say anytime we want to speculate on what is running through the mind of an actual NBA player, but I, I'd agree with you, Josh. I think that it, it's you know, looking at all of the the hate going on in the media, um, you know, just the constant disrespect that he faces on a daily basis. He is, uh, you know, probably the least liked player in the NBA. Like as far as like popular, you know, notable star players go, a lot of people don't, you know, appreciate his style. They don't like the way that he plays the game, whatever they, they, you know, as soon as they have a chance to take a jab at him, they do. And you've got to imagine that even those star players and celebrities, they live in their own bubble. Some of this gets back to them. And I, you know, I wouldn't be hard pressed to imagine that, you know, that does kind of rub him the wrong way. And he would like to show up and show out and, you know, shut up all the haters and really prove that he is, you know, the, that top two MVP candidate every year, perennial MVP candidate, all NBA caliber player and, and come out and actually, you know, put that display on the court because he's capable of doing it. And, you know, he's got, this supporting cast around him now that should be able to make his life easier. I think one of the things that we saw in this game against the Blazers is it wasn't just Harden is the sun and it all revolves around him and credit to Steven Silas for doing that, for putting these players in positions to succeed either, you know, alongside James Harden or at times in the absence of James Harden. It's important to note that when Harden first sat down after playing the full 12 minutes of the first quarter, the Rockets actually extended their lead against the Blazers with, you know, essentially a group of G league players, you know, third stringers guys that have, you know, are on a regular night with, with the entire roster probably aren't going to be seeing, you know, much playing time if at all. 
And they did that because of Silas's system and the, you know, the schemes that he has in place offensively to make life easier for all of his players, including James Harden. So everything that Rockets fans just want is they want Harden to give this a shot. They want him to try, put in a good faith effort and see what this team is capable of, at least for the you know first half of the season or so. And if it looks like a team worth playing for, they want him to stay. And I think that's what Raphael Stone's motive is. That's what uh, Tillman Fertitta's motive is. That's why they haven't caved to a James Harden trade demand yet, because they want to ride this thing out and see how it goes. Last thing before you go, what, uh, where are we at with the updated list of teams that he would be okay with being traded to? Well, he officially, officially, officially added the Boston Celtics and the Portland Trailblazers, which is hilarious, seeing as how they almost beat the Trailblazers with half their roster out of the game. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm... I'm not sure, you know, at the end of the day, we're never really going to know if, if these teams uh, are official, you know, destinations that he'd like to go to, if it's just posturing by the Rockets and James Harden to try and get another team to up their offer, or if it's information that's being leaked, you know, one way or another. And, you know, right now we're still under the assumption that James Harden wants to leave Houston, but things are at least after this first game, look, I'm not usually a big fan of uh, quote unquote, like motivational victories or moral victories, but this game is absolutely that this is the best that I've walked away from a Rockets game feeling about the team in recent memory, because there's so much to, to look forward to, to be excited about with this team. And again, that they were missing three of their core contributors in Eric Gordon, John Wall, and DeMarcus Cousins, two starting caliber players. And DeMarcus Cousins, who's going to be playing a huge role off the bench uh, in some circumstances alongside Christian Wood as that 4-5 lineup on the court. It is going to be interesting to see how this all plays out, Jackson. You'll have it all covered for us over on Locked on Rockets. Thanks for coming on Locked on NBA with me. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Josh. The NBA is back. It is rolling. College football bowl games are happening. The NFL playoffs are just around the corner. There's only one place that has you covered and only one place that we trust, and that is betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Guys, there is so much out there for you, and you, you're listening to this podcast, so you know about the NBA. Why don't you put that knowledge to the test and get yourself some money at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus. The sign up today with that free account at betonline.ag. Use that promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wages. Subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. Now I'm joined by the host of uh, the podcast for the worst team in the NBA, apparently, the Locked On Clippers show. Charles Mockler is here. The Clippers. <laughs> we had sc- Charles, we had scheduled this before the Clippers got... I'm gonna, I won't say embarrassed, but I also will, won't not say embarrassed by the Mavericks. One shellacked, yeah, was, uh, just destroyed. Yeah, it, was it was over. Bad. It was over straight away. It was amazing to watch in terms of I am amazed that this is happening. Not amazing that this is so good. It's just how is this actually going on? It's oh, not. Yeah. I didn't want to just talk about this game because obviously when we scheduled this, that wasn't the story. But, <laughs> but what happened? Kawhi Leonard was out after copping that elbow from Serge Ibaka. This is just one where you go, well, yeah, sometimes shit happens and. We have to move on. Surely, surely that they're not this bad without Kawhi. Is there anything that stood out for you in this game? 
I mean, it was, I don't know. Cause on the other hand, you know, on one hand, like you said, right? Like this is an exception. It's, it's really hard to have the worst loss in Clippers history. And it's weird that it came with in this era of Clippers history. Right. Yeah. Um, but like on the other hand, like I just said, this is the worst loss in Clippers history. 51 points. Uh, the thing that's crazy too, is the shooting splits aren't even crazy. Uh, <laughs> they shot 49% from the field, 34% from three, the Mavs did. So it's not like we were getting, you know, lit up totally or something like that but i don't know no one had it today um from an energy standpoint serge Ibaka won the clippers broadcast player of the game which is very funny i guess good for serge um but he showed some intensity but i mean the, you know the foot speed wasn't there we shot 12 percent from three i don't know i guess this is just a christmas this is what a christmas brunch game is for the clippers yeah look that's it's obviously rough yeah but what I wanted to talk about is you know, how good the Clippers had looked to begin this season. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be- beating the Mavericks the last time around, beating, uh, not beating the Mavericks, beating the Nuggets the, the last time around, beating the Lakers on opening night, you know, Paul George you know, silencing some of his critics, um, the Serge Ibaka, if it's a Zubats combination, how that was looking, what Kawhi was doing. But yeah, obviously, this is overshadowing it. So let, let's try to, to distance this, ourselves a little bit from this game because it, yeah. is, it is anomalous. Let's talk Absolutely. about let's talk about Kawhi and his face and his jaw and his mouth and what's going on there. What is do we have anything more than the eight stitches that he received in the mouth? How long are we expecting him to be out? Um, nothing more than the eight stitches. Also, not entirely clear what part of his face he got the stitches on, um, or if it was his tongue or something like that. Uh, Ty Lu said no real timetable, but he said it in kind of one of those days where I don't think it's going to be a long time. I think it's just a matter of the stitches healing and then, you know, Kawhi feeling comfortable. So, I mean, they play on Tuesday against the Timberwolves, so there's a chance he might be out for that one, but I wouldn't imagine it's any much longer past that. Yeah, that's yeah. It looks like he escaped serious injury because there could have been a fractured cheek, fractured jaw, uh, concussions, yeah. all that sort of stuff. So it looks like he's escaped that sort of thing, um, which which is great, obviously, for this Clippers team who had looked awesome in those first couple of games of the season. Oh, yeah. <laughs> how do we um how do we view this? I guess new look Clippers team because it is a little bit new. Serge Barker in that center rotation, and the other thing that's been noticeable is I wouldn't say it's a phasing out, but it's not far from a phasing out of Lou Williams. What is what is happening with Lou Williams in his role because he's not the same. Luke Kennard is getting some of those Williams minutes and some of that Williams ball handling responsibility. What do we make of this for Lou for this season and for the future of Lou Williams with the Clippers? So the Lou Williams thing, I think what the Clippers are trying to do, I would imagine, is Luke Kennard, you know, played a lot of one when he was with the Pistons towards the end of his tenure. And I think there's a there's a chance that Luke Kennard is going to get moved to the one uh, for the bench unit, and Lou Williams can go back to his natural position at the two, you know, because Lou isn't really a point guard. Um, he was great with Trez running the pick and roll. He's looked really good um, with a connection with the Vita Zubats right now. But when Lou has to run the whole offense on the second unit, that's not good for what Lou brings to the team. So I think they're A, trying to get Kennard, you know, feeling good and seeing some shots fall because um, he hasn't played very much in the last year. Um, and then hopefully transition to kind of maybe both these guys are one and a half or something like that. But I'd imagine Kennard would be doing most of the ball handling. So in terms of ball handling, you know, you've got Kennard and Williams in that second unit. Reggie Jackson's been a little bit of an odd man out who you know, came across after being bought out by the Pistons last season. And I wouldn't say that Clippers fans necessarily warmed to him straight away. Um, he hasn't looked great so far this season. Is, is that a concern? Because he has been a prickly character in the past. Yeah, the issue with Reggie Jackson is, I mean, him and Paul George are very good friends. Um, they have their lockers right next to each other. So I think that's one of the factors that's helping him remain on the team. Um, but Clippers fans from, and I'm one of them, um, we don't really want to see Reggie play a whole bunch. Spot up shooter Reggie Jackson, 
is great. But having to make a bunch of decisions, Reggie Jackson, run an offense is not good. Um, and the highs are great. When he first came to the Clippers, he was shooting um, like career best for threes and people weren't really ready for what Reggie Jackson usually is, which is sometimes just a mistake-filled machine who will then make one highlight play. So if his minutes can get cut down, that of course depends on how ready Terrence Mann is and all those other things. But as long as Reggie isn't in the top two of people who have, or even three, because if you consider Patrick Beverly, as long as he's not in that top three for the the one to one and a half guard position, uh, we'll, the Clippers will be okay. Marcus Morris hasn't played yet this season with knee soreness. Um, should we be concerned about that? Well, Clippers fans, oh, knee soreness took Luka Mute away from the Clippers um, fairly recently. So I think there's some, you know, a little bit of trepidation there for the Clippers. I honestly, I think it should be okay. Um, he's been getting shots up pregame and things like that. People say he's been looking good. Um, you know, just hope he can come back, obviously. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's, but it's a day-by-day thing, definitely, which is frustrating. Yeah, it, it has been frustrating. But look, last thing for you, Charles, before you go, Nick Batum has sort of filled that role and filled it well. And we've had discussions discussions before about the weird fit of Marcus Morris with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And Batum, to me, as a low-usage distributor, fits significantly better. He has been a fantastic pickup for this Clippers team. What do you envisage his role as being uh, on this team as they get back to full health? Well, I mean, hey, if he's going to complete, you know, continue playing like he has, that'll be great. Like you said, the ball movement's great. He makes a bunch of great cuts um, on the offensive end. His shooting has been a lot better than I think people thought. Um, I mean, if he can just continue just not being a minus player while having, you know, a little bit better ball movement skills than Marcus Morris really has to fill in for him. That's it's the most valuable contract in the NBA. He's on a vet min and he's contributing at a point that is pretty damn good for a starting five that aside from, you know, the game uh, on Sunday has shown a lot of promise, even with Batum as the, the step down from worse. Well, it's obviously a big slap in the face for the Clippers after that huge start to the season. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that'll be better. That'll be better, Charles. Don't worry. Things will be uh, things will be better after this game against the Mavericks. You'll have it covered for us all over on Locked On Clippers. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Yeah, thank you so much. Hopefully next time I come on, it's not after the worst loss in Clippers history. Built Bar is back. The best tasting protein bar ever is back. With new flavors, six newbies to join the original 12 roster. We've got caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. These protein bars, they taste like a candy bar. It doesn't taste like the usual stuff that you would uh, that you would find underneath the back end of your dog that some of these other protein bars taste like. Built Bar tastes great. Covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. And they're also low calorie and low sugar, as well as being high fiber and high protein. Fantastic stuff. The coconut almond bar is 18 grams of protein with 180 80 calories only and just 5 grams of sugar. So if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. The promo code at BuiltBar.com is LOCKEDON for 20% off for the best tasting protein bars that you can find anywhere. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Now I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Nuggets podcast, Adam Mares, is here with me. Adam, it has not been the best start to the Denver Nuggets season. It definitely has not been. Um, I look at it as that game against the Clippers. They probably were due to lose, um, but the game against the uh, the Kings is the one that really stands out, making them zero and two. They probably should be one and one. They're zero and two, and they have a lot to figure out. So what's what's happening here? Because you know, obviously, this is a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Yes, there was some big comebacks, and maybe that's not reflective of where they are as a squad. They made a change to the starting lineup that 
wasn't going to happen and then was going to happen and then ended up happening with Michael Porter starting over Will Barton. Um, has that been the issue? Is it a continuity thing? Um, players just sluggish? Because you know, Nikola Jokic looks to be pretty much in the best shape of his life and he is unbelievable. Is there just concerns with you know, fitting guys like Barton and Porter into those new roles? Well, I think the first problem that the Nuggets are seeing is with their second unit. You know, they brought in a lot of guards, lost all of their wings other than Michael Porter this offseason. So you have a second unit that features Facundo Campazzo at 5'11", who hasn't quite found his foothold yet, hasn't really found a role on the team just yet. You got Monte Morris, another undersized point guard. So you got two point guards undersized. Will Barton has been basically playing a point guard type role, lead ball handler with that second unit. And then PJ Dozier, who's just six foot five, six foot six, has been playing a lot of power forward for him. So I think that second unit just hasn't made a whole lot of sense, especially in the first game. Hartenstein is in foul trouble immediately. There's no Jermichael Green because of injuries. So the Nuggets have just been playing really small and it has not worked. I think their plan to play was to play small with that second unit, but they've been forced to go even smaller than what they intended with those basically four point guards in a center uh, kind of lineup. So I think that's the first issue. But to your broader point, I, I think the – the thing about this season that's most important for the Denver Nuggets is figuring out how to integrate Michael Porter into that first unit. And as talented as he is, one of the main reasons Denver fell behind three games to one to Utah last year in the first round was because of inserting him into the starting lineup, basically for the first time when everybody was healthy um, last year. And the Nuggets just, I don't think, have a lot of trust and chemistry when he's out on the court. Um, we saw in the second game against uh, the Clippers just a couple days ago, we saw once he was basically benched in the second half, well, that's when Jamal Murray started going and that's when the Nuggets sort of mounted a comeback in that one. And I don't think this is any, you know, this isn't necessarily on Michael Porter or on Jamal Murray, any of these guys. It's just adding such a loud piece and such a young piece to a team that has been together for four or five years in a row. You, you just kind of see how, it changes all of the dynamics and they haven't quite figured out how to implement him yet. Yeah, I think that that is obviously a, a concern is just how that, that all works together. Um, what was with the, the sort of switch up that we saw at the end of preseason where it would appear that Malone had told Will Barton that he was going to be the starter and Porter was okay with that. He was coming <laughs> off the bench and then opening night, Malone, you know, just being the sneaky guy that he is, yeah, puts Porter back in there. Like what's with the, the misdirection there? Was it a legitimate change of mind? Was it something to throw people off? Did that have an impact on how the, the flow works with those guys? I really don't know. And and as far as Malone throwing everybody off, you know, he never really committed one way or another. I I certainly, and I think a lot of people here in Denver interpreted what he was saying about players are going to have to sacrifice. It's not all about, you know, the best players. I, I certainly thought that was setting the table for Michael Porter to come off of the bench. But then it was, of course, Will Barton, who I think deserves a starting spot, just is talented enough to be a starter. He was the one that was sent to the bench. So I don't know that it was Malone changing minds or anything like that. He never committed one way or another but it was a surprise nonetheless in large part because even in the preseason we saw this where yes Michael Porter is so talented and he provides spacing and length and rebounding and all these different things but for whatever reason the Nuggets offense just doesn't flow when he's out there with Murray and Jokic and you sort of diminish the impact of all three of those guys now that's just something I think they're going to have to figure out and work through but um you know, it hasn't had very good early returns in the first two games, and it certainly feels like it's going to be one of those things that takes a while for um, the whole team to kind of come together around. The other thing that's been going on is Jamal Murray hasn't looked himself. Now, he looked okay in the second half of that Christmas Day game, but he was way off early on. Now, it seemed the Nuggets sort of changed things around a little bit in that second half of Christmas. It was that 
do you think that was a deliberate thing to get Jamal going? Because I feel like they were just feeding him the ball more and putting him in different positions to be able to succeed because he just wasn't that same guy. And he was never going to be the same player that he was in the bubble because that's impossible to uh, sustain for a full 72-game season. But did you notice any specific changes they made to try and get him back to a level that wasn't you know, actually damaging the team? I think two things happened. One, Denver was down by, I think, 20 points when he started to go off. So you had a little bit of this, okay, there's nothing to lose. You got to just start shooting. And he started shooting and started making. Um, He had a nice little run there, about a 10-minute stretch where he played great basketball. But what I think these – and these things are connected – you know, he hasn't he doesn't look physically like he did in the bubble. It looks like he took two months off, which well earned based on his bubble performance, but he doesn't look to be in the same great physical shape, uh, mid-season form that he was when he was Henry entering the bubble. And then secondly, you know, Jamal Murray is a combo point guard, a scoring point guard. And I think he really hit his stride with that two-man game with Jokic in the playoffs, but also just in being aggressive and being an aggressive scorer. Now you ask him to come in and lead a team that is trying to integrate a very unique piece in Michael Porter. And I think what you saw in that game against the Clippers in the second half was him trying to figure out what he's supposed to do to run this team and run this offense. And then Michael Porter going to the bench and and just a little bit of Jamal Murray saying, okay, well now I'm going to go do what I do best, which is score and focus on that. And it really worked. So I think as much as Jamal Murray has been disappointing, I think the challenge for him that will probably last all season is balancing being the player that he was inside the bubble, this aggressive score, with being the player that helps be, be what solves getting Michael Porter integrated into the offense. It is going to be interesting to see how the Nuggets can respond from going down 0-2 to start the season. Of course, Adam, you'll have it all covered for us over on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for coming on Locked On NBA with me. Thanks a lot, Josh. And that'll do it for another episode of Locked On NBA. Don't forget to subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify and give us that five-star review. It's a great way of helping the show out and to getting more people over here and uh, and just promoting things because it, it is... Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it all through the week. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball as well. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone.